I'm ready. Welcome, welcome to Mama Mystery. I am your host, Kelly. And I am your co-host, Austin. We're and we here. are ready to rock. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, TJIF. TJIF, guys. Okay, so before we get started, I want to acknowledge the new 2020 episode on Jean-Benet Ramsey. I watched it. I didn't. And I was honestly just a little surprised at how much they focused on the possibility of Patsy Ramsey and then the possibility of an intruder being the culprit. I don't really feel like I gained any new information by watching it. I understand that the goal is just to keep the case alive and hot because it has become a cold case over the years. But I don't necessarily feel like we are any closer to finding out who really did this to Jean Benet. I didn't end they, it thinking like, oh. Are they really doing it to try to solve it though, or are they just doing it for entertainment now? Probably that. I feel. Right. I, feel I don't like feel that like at this it's point. like let's let's try to unsolve mysteries. Yeah. Hey, I know people. Okay, I've never been a mystery person, but I know people on this damn podcast have used to watch unsolved mysteries back in like oh two thousand two. Like all my nightmares. That guy and, and, and was that guy. Creepy. Yes. On today's episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Except he was like super old, like yeah. right on the edge of death. I remember a couple freaking crazy episodes. That's I think that's probably why I don't watch like mysteries now because that was scared the oh, shit out of me when I was young. See, I watched that and then I watched Tales from the Crypt. You guys, listen, I had unlimited access to HBO and like no adult supervision apparently because I watched all the shit you're not supposed to watch when you're like six or seven. Dum, dum, dum. One of my very first nightmares I can remember is of sitting in front of my bed and then the little creepy skeleton guy from Tales from the Crypt coming in and taking my head off. I was a child. (laughs) We'll call it an episode right there, folks. Big yikes. So that kind of explains a little bit about who I am as a person today. The... I did watch a little bit of The Night Stalker with Kelly the other day, mm. which was really good. And it I feel like... so good. I feel like the episode of Mama Mystery, what number was that? Oh, I don't remember. You whatever whatever episode it was, The Night Stalker episode, if you haven't listened to it, it go back recent. and listen to it. It's about the California dude that goes through California rubbing and killing people. He's creepy as hell. Creepy and as he hell. gets into jail, guys, prison, whatever you want to call it, and people... Like women love him. Yeah. They're flashing him going down the road They're in his prison him van. Pictures. They're sending him naked pics. He has all these lovers because oh he's like gosh. a decent looking dude. But then when he opens his mouth, his teeth are jacked. Well, and it's like they totally disregard the fact that he murdered a bunch of people, murdered, including raped. some kids. Yeah. He's it's but the episode is like a really good cliff note version of it. And if you want more details, it's worth the watch. Yeah, that's and I haven't even watched right. it all. Our episode is short to the point, short and sweet. But the documentary that they have on Netflix, it's like a docu-series and it's four or five episodes. I binged the whole thing in one day. The cinematography of it, for one, is super good because it's just it, it's creepy. And like I don't get creeped out very easily, but when I was watching that, I was like, Ooh, I'm a little creeped out. <laughs> when she says that, she raises her shoulders and goes. <laughs> But it's a, it is really good. And yeah. there was a lot of stuff in there that I didn't know. Just details that only the cops and the investigators could have known that they said in their interviews. So I very much suggest if you like true crime, go watch The Night And Stalker. if you haven't listened to The Night Stalker episode, go back and listen go to listen that. To and that. I'll plug one more. Go listen to The Casey Butcher because that shit is crazy. <laughs> he is still stuck on um, the Casey Guys, Butcher. The Casey Butcher is nuts. I just picture this and then we'll dive into the episode. I picture going into that place and lighting it up with a UV light or whatever the hell lights up, trying to clean up blood splatter. And this dude, you guys, was chainsawing victims in his place and putting them in sacks by the road and the garbage men were taking him out of there. Go watch the Casey, listen to the Casey Butcher episode. Because, like, think about that. Think about your living room and think about chopping somebody up with a chainsaw and all the blood that would be everywhere and, like, 
it's oh, mm. that's probably the episode that stuck with me more than any of them. It de- it definitely has because it's the one that you bring up the most. Yeah, for go sure. back and listen to that episode. It's guys. intense, and there are a lot of photos. I don't necessarily recommend googling it, but if you're but morbid, if you're a freak like me, yeah, I mean the pictures do exist. So let's dive into today's podcast. All right. So for today's case, we are talking about the killer couple Benjamin and Erica Seifert. Benny and Erica. This case was recommended by a listener, Chelsea Jane. Such a small world. Chelsea and I were connected through the Mama Mystery Instagram page, which is mama.mystery, and realized after talking that we actually live about 30 minutes from each other. Really? Small world. Um, So, Chelsea, thank you so much for listening and for your recommendation. And that reminds me, we have a couple new Patreons to thank. So, Lauren Marie Taylor, Haley Williams, and Ashley Dunham, who used to be Ashley Dahl, my very own sister. Patreons get unlimited access to all of the episodes that we post. They also get access to the transcripts and the scripts that I write for each episode. They get a bonus episode each month, and they get um, fun little stickers, too. And early so access fun. to some episodes. Yeah, as whenever we can. This one's filmed or recorded on Thursday night, so I'm going to post it as soon as we're done. But Which is really none of your business. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> sometimes you get them early, sometimes you don't. Yeah, but I do my best, okay? I do my best. Um, so. All right, so Benny and Erica. Ben and Erica. Erica was born in Roaring Spring, Pennsylvania on February 3rd, 1978. Okay. She was super smart and gifted athletically. She excelled in basketball while she was in high school. Her dad even built her her own private indoor basketball court. Gee, many Christmas. Yeah, she, she was she spoiled. She was... Well, you can. I, I just see for always yourself. like saying that. Here, see for yourself. Like every time there's ever a chick involved, I just want to say, is she hot? It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, sure it does. Yeah. But um, you can look her up. She's actually a very good looking girl. She has really curly hair, big megawatt smile. Um, she was an only child. So maybe that explains the private indoor basketball court. I don't know. Um, But she was so disciplined that she wouldn't allow herself to come in for dinner until she hit at least 10 free throws in a row. So like if she missed the ninth one, she would start all over and would not allow herself to stop until she nailed 10 in a row. That's that mama mentality. Super disciplined. She's been described as having a super high-strong personality, though. So, like, quickly unraveling if something seemingly minor went wrong. And she may have even had some undiagnosed OCD because she had a habit of checking that her doors were locked. And she would check the upper lock exactly nine times and the lower lock of the door exactly 12 times That's every single so morning. freaking strange. I just want to say that. Yes. And that is a, that is a sign of OCD. And even if you have that, OCD. even if you have that, you got to know it's strange. I think, yeah, I think they can recognize that Like you're it's not sitting there at your door going, <laughs> thinking, oh, this is normal. Yeah, everybody does this. Yeah, Doesn't no. everybody do this? You're like, I can't stop, but I'm going to keep doing it even though I'm no, weirdo. I think pe- most people with OCD kind of know that they're a little, a little sick. I find myself with little weird OCD quirks here and there, and it's like, man, why am I doing this? But a lot of people say, oh, I have OCD because they like things clean, and that's not OCD. Right, no. So... Get your facts straight. Just Ooh. kidding. <laughs> okay, so anyway, back to Erica. She graduated cum laude in May of 2000. What from is cum laude? Cum laude, it's like top of your class. It's I thought just, that was It's like the, an honorable mention type of thing. I'm not really sure. I, I, I definitely didn't get it. I just so. about said I thought that was an aphrodisiac, but it's not. It's a, uh, shit, what's it called? We're going to we're gonna have to cut this. Uh, 
What's it called when you're top of your class? Valedictorian? Valedictorian. <laughs> okay. Now, what's an aphrodisiac? Uh, like a, something that gets you... <laughs> Horny? <laughs> yes. Like oysters? Yeah. What the hell? How did that come to my what head? What happened? Are we deleting that? I don't know if we should. I think we should keep it. All right. <laughs> what the hell? Why did I think that? Gosh, what an idiot. Yikes. All right, I'm going to shut up and you're going to have the case. I'm setting the mic down. <laughs> She, she graduated from Mary Washington College with a BA in history and political science. During her senior year of college, she met her boyfriend, Ben, and they eloped in Vegas after only knowing each other, dating for three weeks. Yeah. Yikes. Ben was born October 21st of 1977. He was a bit more of a hothead and a bully. He graduated training as a Navy SEAL, but he was later dishonorably discharged before actually becoming a SEAL. So, like, he did the training, but there were some more, th- more things he had to go through. Didn't make it. He got cut. Um, he would repeatedly be absent without leave. He was written up for insubordination, poor performance, and wearing unauthorized insignia, which is a huge deal. So they said, see ya, and let him go. He admittedly had a love for Hitler and even had a huge swastika tattooed on his chest, like big, bold swastika on his chest. Weird, so. He was a thrill seeker who had a love for snakes and stealing. In fact, he had four snakes that he named Bonnie, Clyde, HIV, and Hitler. Due what? To, due to weirdo. Yeah, that's someone I would want to run away with after three weeks. Like, what? What's happening here? So I'm not sure what attracted Erica, who otherwise seemed to be on the straight and narrow path, to someone so derailed. Maybe it's like a bad boy thing. Sometimes girls like bad boys, just like the girls who sent their pictures to the Night Stalker. But Erica recalls times that uh, Ben would use her OCD habits against her by texting her during the day saying things like, are you sure you locked the door? Are you sure you turned the stove off? (laughs) Playing with her OCD. (laughs) You know I checked it 18 times before I left the house. But no, if someone with OCD, I mean, they'll actually start to think and wonder and worry. It puts them in a very vulnerable spot. And that's exactly what he was trying to do. He was trying to keep her fragile. And in the beginning of their relationship, Erica, who clings on to things, she clung on to him like a stage five clinger, which in my opinion seems to correlate with her obsessive nature. Mm -hmm. So shortly after they were married, Erica's parents helped her open up her own scrapbooking store. So she graduated with a degree in history and political science. Her parents opened her a scrapbooking store. All right. A little off base, but okay. She worked her butt off at this store to make it successful. And from the outside, these two seem to have, like, just the perfect life. They're living the dream. They are a good-looking couple. Like, you would never look at a picture of them and assume that they have, like, done the things that they've done. But Erica began drifting further away from her family and friends and immersing herself into the things that Ben loved. So, for example, Ben had an affinity for hooters, and he also loved the thrill of shoplifting. So Erica kind of clung on to that, and it became an obsession of hers, too. And so they both began collecting stolen hooters paraphernalia. Random as hell. But, yeah. I'm just looking at Kelly. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard so far. It sounds like I'm making it up. Yeah. This is a true story, guys. I promise. They sound normal like you'd see them. 
until they're at the pool and he has a swastika tattooed on his chest. Yeah, the picture that I post of them on um, our Mama Mystery Instagram page, they look like any other couple. Like, it's just super bizarre. And, I mean, maybe some people have that look to them where they look a little sketch, but this couple looks pretty normal. So it's just crazy. Interesting. Um, So... Ben would constantly psychologically manipulate Erica. He would demean her and insult her so that she would believe that she couldn't do any better than Ben. And this is a super common tactic in abusive relationships. The aggressor will just chip away at the other's confidence and self-esteem, breaking them down into this more vulnerable, fragile version of their original self. And in Ben and Erica's case, Ben was molding Erica into an accomplice. Ben and Erica start doing drugs together, specifically pills and cocaine. They were partying a lot, and they were constantly looking for their next thrill, like their next fix. The pills, the cocaine, the drinking, the shoplifting, even the sex just wasn't cutting it. They needed something more thrilling, more wild. Enter Joshua Ford and Martha Crutchley. On May 25th of 2002, it's Memorial Day weekend, and Ben and Erica are on vacation in Ocean City, Maryland, when they meet Josh and Martha, who also goes by the name Jeannie. So that's that's the name I'm going to use. Jeannie is Martha. And yes. And Martha is Jeannie. That's correct. Got it. Josh is a mortgage broker or banker from Boston. He also was in the military, but unlike Ben, he was honorably discharged and recently divorced. He's in his early 30s and at the time was dating Jeannie, who was a little older than him. She was an insurance executive in her early 50s. She loved to garden. They loved to take care of the home that they lived in together. And um, they met Ben and Erica while they were on a shuttle bus heading to a bar called Secrets. So Josh, being the nice guy he is, offered to pay for Ben and Erica's bus fare because they didn't have the right change. And in return, Ben then offered to buy them a drink. Cashing in those friendships. Yep. But from there, the couple hung out at the bar, and they got to know each other. And somewhere along the way, Ben and Erica began making a sinister plan. They wanted to swing. Yeah. So Ben and Erica... Am I right? I mean, you're not wrong. Okay. Ben and Erica invite Josh and Jeannie up to their condo to extend the party after the bar closes. They had their hot tub, some weed, and drinks. Josh and Jeannie accept, and they head up to their condo. So they get up to the room. They're drinking in the hot tub. Music's playing. Drinks are flowing. When out of nowhere, Erica hops out of the bath or the hot the bathtub, the hot tub, and runs to her bedroom. She comes out hysterical and saying, "Where is my wallet? Someone has my wallet!" Immediately, then Ben goes and grabs his gun. It's a Magnum 357 and starts pointing it at Josh and Jeannie. What? They start accusing Josh and Jeannie of stealing Erica's wallet, but they're so confused because they're like, we haven't even left. We've been here We've the whole time with out. you guys in the hot tub. Like, where would I put it? So then Erica calls 911 and tells them that Josh and Jeannie stole her purse. And on the 911 call, you can hear Erica telling the operator what's going on. And she sounds stoned or drunk, maybe both, just completely out of her mind. I want you to listen to this call. What's your 911? Get an emergency? Yes, I have an emergency at my apartment. Um, there are people in my house who I don't know, and my purse is suddenly missing, and I'm afraid I'm going to have a robbery here. 
Okay, people in your apartment at this time? Yes. I'll connect you to the police. Stay on the line. Hey. What? I'm I'm upstairs in a bedroom where they don't know where I am. Okay, I'll connect you to the police. You can tell them, okay? Okay. It's like the most relaxing phone call ever. <laughs> hey, guys. Um, hey, I just want to let you robbery. know that there's some people in my house. I have no idea who they are. and <laughs> Come over whenever. And I'm upstairs. What oh, a freaking hey, weird deal. Way, I'm upstairs. Yeah, she sounds faded. Completely faded. So um, she hangs up before she gets connected to the police so that they can get an address. So the police never show up because they don't have an address. Um, so I don't know, in my opinion, you can either look at this in one of two ways, either she called the police hoping that maybe the police would intervene, prevent the violence from going any further. Maybe she was hoping that the police would interrupt whatever plans Ben may have. Um, and this was like her attempt to control the situation or simmer it down a little bit or, and many believe that it's actually the latter of these two scenarios. She was just as vindictive and maniacal as Ben, and that she was calling 911 just to toy with Josh and Jeannie and add to the drama and the thrill of the situation. So, I don't oh, know. it's freaking weird. These All these cases are so freaking weird. I know. None of it makes sense because we're normal people. <laughs> What's normal? Well, not killing people. Okay. That's basically the... <laughs> that's where we draw the line the of normal. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom standard. Okay. Just don't kill, don't kill anybody. So meanwhile, Ben grabs his gun and starts threatening Josh and Jeannie. Josh and Jeannie run into the bathroom and try to hide, not realizing that Erica has run to the balcony and is now peeking through a window into the bathroom. She waits until Josh gets right in front of the door, and that's when she tells Ben to shoot. He does and shoots Josh in the head right in front of Jeannie. So he shoots through the door, and it gets Josh in the head. Ben then kicks in the door, points the gun right at Jeannie, and just imagine the fear going through this poor woman's head. She has just watched her boyfriend get shot through the door. She's trapped in a bathroom at these lunatics' house. Like, all of a sudden, this conversation went from being kind of funny to really messed up. Yeah. Do you ever have those really horrible dreams that, like, in the dream, it feels so real that even in the dream, you're like, this has to be a dream. Uh-huh. But then that in itself makes it feel even more real. Uh-huh. Like, I can only imagine that this must be the type of fear. Like, obviously, you know, dreams aren't the same, but like... No, I get it, though, yeah. You know, you just wake up and you're terrified and you're like, holy shit, thank God that was a dream. how much your brain can mess with you. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I get what you're saying. It's like such a tragic, out there, weird thing going on that, yeah, it would be like, what the hell, wake me up, I'm dreaming, right? Right. What a horrible... I mean, that that is just such a tragic way to die. Mm -hmm. Terrifying way to die. So Jeannie begs and pleads for her life, but it only seems to excite Ben even more, and then he shoots her. What a bunch of weirdos. Yeah. So now... This chick went from being valedictorian... Yeah, like, uh, yeah. Or salutatorian or whatever, way up in her class. Yeah. To this. To this. Like, what? Where, where did they go wrong? Um, so now the couple has to figure out how to clean up this scene and hide their bodies. Mind you, like I said, it's Memorial Day weekend. Tons of people are on vacation and they're in a tourist spot. So they have to be even more discreet. So they decide that the most subtle way to remove the bodies is to cut them up into multiple pieces and put them in bags. Why do people? So that is what they do. They put the body parts in multiple garbage bags so that it looks like they're just unloading trash as they clean up their condo from you know how are they cutting bones and stuff 
You know, that that right there is a really good question because all I know is that they use knives. Even if it joints and stuff, you'd still have so much tendons and I don't know. And it's I just not just one body, imagine. it's two. Yeah, Crazy. like you would think it would take like the whole weekend. Yeah. So um, that's what they do. They put the body parts in multiple garbage bags. Imagine how gross that would be. All right, sorry. And they load up the bags into their dark blue Jeep Cherokee. They head to Delaware and find a random dumpster that they dump the bags in. And then they go enjoy more of their vacation. They go mini golfing. They hit up various hot spots and take selfies along the way. They even take a picture of Ben in the parking lot of Home Depot. Like he's standing there posing for a picture in front of Home Depot where he had to buy a new bathroom door to replace the one that he destroyed. Meanwhile, friends of Josh and Jeannie are starting to get concerned because they haven't heard anything from their friends. And so they begin to worry. Mm -hmm. That same night, they begin to plan round two. They apparently had such a blast killing the first couple that they wanted to do it again. So they go out to another bar, and they meet a new couple, Melissa Selling and Justin Wright. They drink at the bar and get to know each other, and then Ben and Erica invite them back to the condo to continue the party after hours. They're in the hot tub when Erica suddenly gets out and starts looking for her wallet. She then comes back frantic, saying she can't find it, find it, and starts accusing the couple of stealing her wallet. But for some reason, Ben, you know, he starts going along with it, and then he changes his mind and lowers his gun. And then things just kind of cool off, and Ben ends up rolling a joint with Justin, and they joke together about the whole ordeal. They didn't leave? They just... Right? Melissa, she got really uncomfortable, because she noticed that the door was off its hinges, and she noticed that Ben's um, demeanor was, like, really aggressive, and so she ended up leaving, and but she left Justin the there. Mess and everything. Yeah, they they apparently cleaned what it up the as best hell? they could. I mean, they did it in the bathroom, so I'm. And assuming this Justin stayed. The Justin stayed. Okay, so they they imagine you're in a hot tub. <laughs> they come downstairs. They start pointing a gun at you. One of them says, "Ah, let's call it quits." Let's Just go roll joking. A joint. Let's go roll. Hey, what was what was that about out there? Whenever, like, it's not like they got in a little art altercation, like yeah. a disagreement about politics in the hot tub, and then we come inside and talk about it. Like it was like, hey, what was that out there about the whole gun thing? Pulling the gun on my on my wife. Yeah, you pointed a fucking gun at me, man. Whoa, <laughs> man, <laughs> man, what the heck, man? So Melissa leaves without Justin, but shortly after she left, he called her asking her to come get him. And when he got down there, he said he's not, he's not going back up there. So I guess he finally got the vibe. You know, I probably better bounce. Yeah, thank you. It didn't take much, did it? Yeah, I don't know. Wow. So Melissa and Justin basically escape what could have been a pretty disastrous situation. And Erica and Ben, they just go back to life as normal. So some people think that maybe Ben changed his mind because they were due to leave that condo at 10 a.m. the next day. So I think something in Ben's mind clicked to where he realized he wouldn't have enough time to clean up a second scene. So crazy. Anyway, um, they get home from their vacation. Erica is scrapbooking all the details of their vacay, including mementos from the murder. That's what they should call. Oh gosh, that's what they should call her shop: murderous mementos. It flows right off the tongue. Just flows right off the tongue. Memories. One of the mementos that she kept was Josh's ring. She wore it on a chain around her neck, and it even still had some of his dried blood on it. 
And in some of the pictures from their day of like mini golfing and gallivanting, there's a picture of her in a bikini and she's wearing the chain with the ring on it. And she's got this like huge smile on her face. And even the knife that she used to dismember the bodies, she kept it in her pocket, uncleaned, still covered with dried blood and hair from Josh and Jeannie. That's so weird. So back at home, they couldn't just lay low because that would be too boring. They had to satisfy these urges to be bad. And one of the things that Erica fetishized along with Ben was the Hooters memorabilia. So they would steal from various Hooters restaurants. And one night, they broke into one in the middle of the night that had closed for the night. And they tripped a silent alarm. So they had no idea that the cops were on their way while they were rummaging through all of their merchandise. When the cops arrive, they believe they've just stumbled upon a couple of burglars. And Erica, she starts freaking out and has the audacity to ask one of the cops to get her one of her Xanax out of her purse. She's like, I'm really upset. Can you please grab me my pills? What? What? I do not know. The cop starts going through her purse and pulls out Josh and Jeannie's driver's licenses, their ID cards from their work, five shell casings. The police instantly recognized the IDs from the missing persons posters and alerts that were sent out only hours earlier that day. So they were really still fresh in the police officers' minds. If it weren't for those memorabilia, they probably would have just gotten charged for burglary and theft. But to think that her scrapbooking was her own undoing is kind of And asking her to get in the purse and get it. Yeah, this dumb girl. I mean, you're so smart, but you're so dumb. So police take the couple into custody. They go to the condo, search for evidence. They found more evidence of what um, apparently happened to Josh and Jeannie. There were dried blood found in various places that they just didn't get to. There was a bullet hole under the sink, and Josh's palm print was on the window. Erica confessed right away, claiming it was all Ben's idea, saying that she was just terrified because he had this Navy SEAL background and knew these certain types of people. And she detailed stories of how Ben made the couple strip naked at gunpoint and that after it was done, he made Erica take a picture of him holding the victim's heads, like one in each hand, while he was naked. And I don't know that this picture actually exists or she was just saying that, but that's what she says happened. Ben, however, said the exact same thing, saying that it was all, and by, by the same thing, I mean he blamed the whole thing on Erica. He said it was all Erica's idea, and then it all went down while he was napping in his Jeep. Oh, my gosh. That was his story. <clears throat> so Erica tried to get a plea deal by telling the authorities where the bodies were. She offered to say, like, I'll tell you where the bodies were. And um, if you give me a plea deal. But one of the conditions of the deal was that she had to pass a lie detector test. And she did not pass it. So she was not able to get a plea deal. So they ended up searching the landfill that the dumpster was tied to. Because they can trace where dumpsters go, right? Mm -hmm. They found only parts of their bodies. After sifting through all that trash, can you even imagine? They found parts of the bodies, but they ultimately weren't able to determine the, the cause of death for Jeannie. Ben was convicted on one count of first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to 38 years in prison. He was acquitted of all the charges in the death of Joshua Ford and only received a second-degree murder charge for Martha. What? Erica was, she didn't <clears throat> fare so well. 
She was convicted of both murders and sentenced to life plus 20 years. However... I I don't understand how you couldn't both get that. Oh, let me just piss you off even more. Ben will be eligible for parole this year. 18 years later. 19 years later. Yeah. And Erica will be eligible in 2024. That is the stupidest thing. So some of the detectives so these lunatics in the case, are yeah, oh my gosh lunatics. So one of the detectives in the case said that he remembers just how gruesome this case was, and he has vowed to even after he retires, show up at every single one of Ben's parole hearings to make sure that he loses and stays in prison. Um, I don't know about Erica's situation, how well she will fare. I don't know. I want to know if you think that. You know, I feel it's pretty obvious that Ben was pretty inherently bad. I mean, he had snakes named Hitler and HIV. Like, what? What? But Erica came from such a good background. She seemed to have her shit together. So I don't know where it could have gone wrong unless she was really manipulated by Ben. And I'm not, like, I'm not trying to make excuses for Erica. She's just as culpable here. But, like, I just want to know how you go from being this an honor roll student, excel in basketball, and you seem to have all this stuff going in the right direction, and then you just completely veer off the path. Like, where did that go wrong? I think that, I, I, I don't know. I don't know where it went wrong, but it, to me, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, I don't care. And, and I think that it's ridiculous that they were charged differently. Like the legal system pisses me off, and like ninety percent of these episodes, the legal system pisses me off. And it's—I uh, mean, I don't know where they went wrong, but it was, yeah. It was Ultimately, ridiculous. it doesn't matter because she did what she did. I just—I like to know like what causes somebody to do something like this, or what. Like, I just like to she didn't dive have into a crazy the up, human condition. Yeah, and the psychology behind it. She yeah. she didn't have some crazy. You know, like I think there's two extremes of kids growing up i think there's the kids that have extreme way too much overkill adversity you know mm-hmm. um you know abuse sexually abuse however like the crazy ones like like the the california guy yeah the night, night stalker. stalker like he had an insane upbringing yeah then you have the other side of the spectrum like this chick that grew up with a private basketball court and was just faced zero adversity and so she obviously was seeking, sought out excitement and thrill. It's kind of like the kids who get overly sheltered. And then when they finally get out from their parents' thumb, they go nuts. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like there's like just, I, I mean, I, I have no idea. I have nothing. That's what I'd say though, is that there's just two sides of the extremes that cause people to, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. No, that's interesting. That's an interesting um, point of view. Well, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you in a few Have days a beautiful on weekend, everybody. Mama Mystery out. Bye.